The reading this morning is taken from 3 Thessalonians, sorry, 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3, verses 6 to 13, and can be found in the Church Bible on page 1190, page 1190. Warning against idleness. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teachings you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, labouring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy, they are busybodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. This is the word of the Lord. This challenges us. As we open ourselves to your word this morning, may we be challenged and may we be renewed to serve you in our lives day by day. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning. I wonder how your week has been. Uh, it's been my first full week in the job and I'm still here. So <laughs> whether that's a good thing, uh, I'll, uh, work, I'll let you work that out. I hope it is. Well, can I just say also before we get into our Bible passage, it's uh, been wonderful to begin to meet with some of you uh, on a more one-to-one -one basis, and I hope in due course to get round to visit each of you in your homes. Now, don't be surprised if I don't manage to do that before Christmas, um, <laughs> and please don't feel rejected if that, if that is the case, but I, I do, my, my intention is to visit each of you in your home eventually. Um, I think it's, it's nice for the vicar to come and see where you live, uh, so just give me a cup of tea and I will be happy. Uh, it's also been really good, really interesting uh, to hear uh, about uh, how things are for you more personally, so as I meet with you more personally, I can hear about how things are for you more personally uh, in your life and your discipleship, but also to begin to go to things that the church does. Uh, so Tuesday morning, uh, Debbie and I were at coffee in the living room in the uh, back bit of church just through there. It was amazing, amazing ministry uh, that's going on there. So really, really good. Uh, and then uh, also, I was talking about Messy Church just now, uh, we had the Messy Church planning meeting on Wednesday evening, and we heard about the number of families that are coming to that, which is wonderful, but also a big challenge for us as a church. How are we going to meet that challenge? And Chris Dingle as well is after that. So that's something else that we need to bear in mind. But that leads me very nicely into our Bible reading this morning uh, that Mark has just read to you from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and we're looking particularly at verses 6 to 13. 
And it's not very easy reading, is it? It's not very easy reading at all. And Paul, who writes to the Thessalonians, uses some strong language, doesn't he? He doesn't pull his punches. He says, keep away from every believer who is idle. And anyone who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Or he also says, they are not busy, they are busybodies. And those aren't easy or comfortable words to hear, are they? But the thrust of what Paul is saying is summed up in verse 13, which is the title of the sermon. And as for you, my brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. I wonder if you've ever felt a bit like that. I wonder if you've ever felt that you just can't keep on going doing good. Uh, Whether you've ever felt weary from doing the right thing, from turning the other cheek, from responding graciously when everything inside you is screaming out to, you know, take retribution for whatever it is, or from that seemingly endless uh, round of church activity that you're called to do perhaps as a home group leader or as a worship leader or a youth leader or a coffee provider, etc., etc., And we can get so easily worn out and weary as Christians, can't we? We can be weighed down by things that we are called to do. We can be weighed down by guilt if we don't think we're living up to what we're called to do. And then, of course, we can be weighed down by a stale and dry religiosity. And so this passage is a vital one to grapple with. How can we be refreshed and renewed to serve Jesus out of a place of love rather than Uh, religion. And I want to approach that question by thinking about why the Thessalonians might have been tired of doing what is good in the first place. I think that's a fair question to ask of the text. Why might they have been tired? Why did Paul feel the need to say that to them? And what we do know, uh, what do we know of the circumstances uh, that they were living in? What do we know about how life was for them? Uh, and maybe that they were tired of living a good and holy life. What was going on for them which might have led Paul to say that to them? So we're going to consider, as we did last week, a little bit of the circumstances that they were in and just to help us to understand what was going on for them. And also, of course, as we consider what was going on for them, we'll also need to apply it to ourselves. So what does it mean to us in our discipleship today? And as I read the passage and thought about the context Paul is writing, and there are three uh, significant things that he probably, uh, well, he would have known about that were going on for them, that he knew that they would have been tired from and that they would would have needed encouragement into. And those three things are, firstly, persecution. Secondly, uh, that others were stepping out of line in the church family. And thirdly, others giving up and leaving the church. So let's look at those in turn. Firstly, they may well have been weary from persecution. The Thessalonian Christians, no doubt, were under intense pressure, as I said last week, from uh, persecution. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4. So the first chapter of this letter. And verse 4, Paul says, Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith, in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. But also look back to the first letter, to 1 Thessalonians, and you'll see also what Paul says in his first letter to them. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 
verses 6 and 7. Paul says, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. As I said last week, this, this church, the Thessalonian church, is a young church. It's a very young church. According to commentators, it hasn't reached its first birthday. As last week I was saying I thought it was about 10 years old. I've done a bit more research since then. Actually, it was much younger than that. It was probably less than a year old uh, since Paul has been there to found the church. And yet, even though it is such a young church, it is a very robust church. It is a very strong church. It's able to withstand very severe persecution. And that's why Paul says in the next verse, in his first letter to them, in chapter 1, verse 8, he says, The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Very encouraging, isn't it? Their faith in God has become known everywhere. And then again, he has some high, uh, words of high praise in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. So back to the 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. He says, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. So what's the secret to their perseverance? What is their secret? Well, they are continuing to do good because their focus isn't on their own comfort. It's not on their own fulfillment. It's not on their own happiness. But their focus is on the glory of God and the fulfillment of spreading the message of the gospel that Paul has come and preached to them. And this is why their love and their faith continues to grow. Now we know, don't we, that the church in the world today is facing unprecedented, almost unprecedented suffering and persecution in places like Pakistan and Iran and North Korea and Eritrea and many other regions and many other places around the world. And in fact, the Archbishop of Canterbury has just called the level of persecution, I don't know if you've seen the statement, but he called, has just called the level of persecution faced by many Christians, particularly in the Middle East, as intolerable. And he, says, he said this uh, just very, very recently, a couple of days ago. Christians have more recently been on the receiving end of persecution both from militantly atheist and religiously intolerant regimes. It would not be overstating it to say that Christianity is both the, the numerically largest faith and also the most persecuted. But we also know, don't we, despite that, that it's where the church is suffering the most that the church is growing the most. At the Mission Action Prayer Group uh, prayer meeting uh, that was held last week uh, on Saturday, last Saturday morning, uh, I was uh, there and, and was hearing about some of the people who are connected with Christchurch and the places that they are ministering in and the people that they are ministering to, the, uh, ministering the gospel to. And uh, they are in difficult places uh, abroad and in this country. And they need our prayers, don't they? 
But where the church endures the suffering, faith is refined and made stronger. And I wonder, are you tired from being in a place where you're ridiculed for being a Christian? Each of us has different circumstances. Of course we do. But may I gently challenge you this week. May I gently put a challenge before you this week. If you never have to face any form of persecution or suffering as a Christian, maybe we need to put ourselves in a place from time to time where we have to just gently defend our faith. As I said last week in my talk, in my sermon, if you don't stand for anything in this world, you may well fall for anything. So perhaps if you're not in the place, if you're in a place where you never find that, perhaps you need to put yourself in a place where you find that. That's a challenge. Conversely, if you are tired and worn out from being in a difficult place, maybe you're surrounded by not hugely sympathetic people, people who aren't yet Christians, perhaps at home or at work or wherever it is. Or maybe there's other circumstances that are testing your faith, testing your faith and endurance. Please, can I encourage you to seek prayer ministry after the service or with someone that you know, that you trust. Just ask them to pray for you. Pray that your love and your faith might be increasing, not decreasing. So they, their faith, the Thessalonians' faith, may well have been worn out or being, te- uh, being worn out by testing times. But secondly, perhaps also from others stepping out of line in the church family. As you probably know by now, I have the huge privilege of living in a household of ladies. My wife and two lovely daughters. And I can tell you I am kept in line. (laughs) But there's another way of thinking about that idea of of, of keeping in line and the importance of keeping in line uh, that comes from dancing. Miriam, my younger daughter, uh, uh, who's not here at this service, but I'll embarrass her at the, the, the second service, Uh, Miriam loves dancing. It's what she loves to do. And I know I'm biased as her father, but I do think she's very good at it. But one of the things that Miriam tells me about dancing is the importance of keeping in step or keeping in line with the other dancers. So if one dancer puts their foot wrong or just goes the other way or just goes slightly wrong, it affects the whole dance. It affects the flow of the dance. And this is where we get to these harsh words, these strong words that Paul uses, particularly particularly in our passage uh, that I quoted towards the start of the sermon. You see, Paul says that some of the believers there were stepping out of line. In verse 6, he says, watch out for those who step out of line. And so he says, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, We command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. Then he points out that he hasn't stepped out of line in verse 7. He says, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you. But then he says that there are some people who are stepping out of line. So he says, we hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. 
They are not busy, they are busybodies. Now, I'm sure Christ Church has got no busybodies in it. I'm sure. I'll leave you to answer that question. You know each other better than I do. Now, why does Paul address this problem of idleness among Christians? Well, some commentators, when you uh, look into it, some uh, commentators have said that many within the Thessalonian church had stopped working and were idle because of a misunderstanding about the second coming of Jesus and had misunderstood what Paul was saying about Jesus' return. And the reason that that conclusion can be come to is that uh, both the problems of idleness and of people not working are addressed in both letters, both 1 Thessalonians and in 2 Thessalonians. And yes, it's true, undoubtedly, that there would have been some within the church who weren't working. I think that isn't the reason. I don't think it's because of this, uh, they were waiting for the second coming. I don't think it was that. I think it's basis, essentially, that they were lazy. I think that's just, that's just the way it, uh, Paul is addressing it directly to say to those people, you're being lazy. That's what he's saying. Nothing more, nothing less. And Paul, in his writings, uh, he addresses this problem quite frequently, the importance of Christians working, the importance of Christians supplying their own needs. It's a common theme that Paul comes back to in his writings, in his teachings. So it's no surprise that he does this when he arrives and teaches to the, Thess- to the Thessalonians. And he addresses it in his first letter. So 1 Thessalonians, Thessalonians that's a word uh, not to say too often. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11, he says, Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you. So this idea, this idea of working with your own hands is something he stresses during his stay with the Thessalonians. He says to them, this is really important that you work to provide for yourselves. Not only did he teach it, he lived it, as he says to them. He actually lived it out. He practiced it as well, as he says in verses 7 and 8 in our passage. And so in addition to his original teaching... An example, Paul again instructs the Thessalonians through his first epistle to work with your own hands. So that's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11. And to admonish the idle that are among them. So that's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. And then he comes back to it again in his second letter. He calls for the church to separate these things, very strong stuff, to separate themselves from those who had not heeded his earlier teachings. When he says in verse 6, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle. So behind the scenes of this, you can imagine there are these Christians, these, uh, the, the church in Thessalonia, who are supporting the idle. They are compassionately supporting the idle, the lazy. And these people that Paul addresses, these, you know, the lazy ones, as it were, were not only uh, ignoring Paul's commands to earn their own bread, but were burdening the church by not working and taking advantage of their generosity. And this, you see, is the background to the, the, the phrase that we're thinking about. This is the background to his exhortation 
to the faithful. As for you, brothers and sisters, do not grow weary in doing good. And so probably what's going on is, is that the believers, those the hard-working uh, uh, believers, they're being taken advantage of by those who are more lazy. And yet Paul reminds them to keep providing, to keep uh, giving uh, of themselves, to keep helping. He says, do that, even if you're feeling like you've had enough of it. So how can we apply that to ourselves? How can we apply Paul's teaching uh, uh, to, as to how to keep doing that to ourselves? Well, no doubt, people will take advantage of your generosity. They might see you or me as a soft touch because we have a heart of compassion for the needy. And there have been times in my own ministry when I have been duped, it must be said, I have been uh, taken in by people who said to me, Peter, I need some help financially. And I've actually given in to that, and uh, it's turned out they didn't actually warrant that help. However, Paul is saying to the Christians then, and saying, and the Bible speaks to us today, he, and we're hearing that we can't allow those people and those times of disappointment to harden our hearts towards helping those who are truly needy. So let us not grow weary in doing good, even when others step out of line and take advantage of us. And thirdly and lastly, the Christians there in Thessalonica may have got tired and worn out by others giving up and leaving the church. Now we've got to do a bit of digging here to find out how this applies to our passage. Uh, but it does. It does relate to Second Thessalonians. I'm sure you could probably think of people that you know who have been faithful Christians, faithful believers, faithful uh, people who belong to the Lord, but have now turned their back on him and have wandered off, or wand and wandered away from his church. Such was the case with a man called Demas. Demas was one of Paul's band of brothers. And in fact, Demas, uh, as we'll, you'll see in a minute, uh, he was one of these really committed group around Paul who traveled with Paul uh, around the Roman Empire to spread the good news. He was one of Paul's fellow workers. So, if you've got a Bible in front of you, would you like to find Paul's letter to Philemon? Now, you'll need to go uh, forwards, as in towards the end of the Bible, and if you go past 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, you'll get, and past Titus, you'll get to the letter to Philemon. I haven't got a church Bible, so if somebody's got the, the page, if you could just shout that out, please. Anybody got a page number? 1,200, is it? 1,200, that's your page number in your Bible. Okay, so Philemon. It's a very short letter. So short, it doesn't have any chapters. Just verses. And so if you find Philemon verses 23 and 24, you'll see what Paul says. He says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. So Demas, you see, is a fellow worker of Paul's. He's one of his close group of fellow workers, co-workers. He's a close associate of Paul 
in spreading the good news, the gospel uh, around the Roman Empire. However, a love for the world leads Demas to desert Paul in, Roman pri- in the, the prison in Rome and to head to Thessalonica. So, we'll see that. If you go back to 2 Timothy, so back a little bit in the Bible, so uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. So again, if we've got a page number, that might be helpful. Double one nine seven. Thank you. So two Timothy chapter four verse ten, and you'll see that it says this: For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Now, it's, some scholars believe that Thessalonica was where Demas was from. It was his hometown. So essentially, he was leaving Paul and going home. And it's not out of place to think that some of the Christians in Thessalonica met Demas or saw him and thought to themselves, hang on, Paul is all the way over there in Rome. Why is he here? Why is he not with Paul? And they may even have heard that Demas had abandoned his faith. So just think of the discouragement that that would have brought to the believers in Thessalonica, knowing that this man, who was one of Paul's closest group of fellow workers, had left Paul, had abandoned him, and maybe even uh, abandoned his faith. How discouraging would that have been? Now, I know I'm on quite sensitive ground here, and I've only been in this job for a very, very short amount of time, but I believe the Lord spoke to me about this the other day, I was out for a walk, just by myself, and I believe the Lord said to me something. And I know that some people have chosen to leave this church over the last couple of years for reasons that I won't go into at the moment, but I believe the Lord wants this church to move forward, and for this to be a season of renewing and healing. Not necessarily forgetting, but, but perhaps forgiving. And I think it's quite fitting here as we are on Remembrance Sunday. Because the word remember can be understood as putting things that were broken back together again. Quite literally to remember something. So perhaps your recollection of the past needs remembering. Not forgetting about, because our memories are very important, but perhaps we need to let God help us as we piece together our recollection of past hurts and feelings. And God is here, and he's waiting to be invited to help us as those memories are knitted together again with the help of his loving and gentle Holy Spirit. And there have been and there will continue to be brothers and sisters who for whatever reason decide that this life is more important than the kingdom of God and will abandon God and us. There is no doubt about it, it is discouraging when it happens. However, let's heed what Paul says. As for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. There are many reasons you could be weary in doing good. And these are just three that we've surveyed that the church in Thessalonia faced as well. Persecution, 
others stepping out of line in the church family, others giving up and leaving the church. And there are many more. We could have considered many more. But let's end with Paul's words to the Thessalonians. Let's end with Paul's closing words in his second epistle. Words that have a very special meaning on this day, on Remembrance Sunday. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. Amen.